0: So, join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5 53 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 28th of April, 2021, and this is episode 409 of Bitcoin and. Let's kind of take a look at what's going on with uh, the Elon Musk, or not Elon Musk, the Tesla sale of 100, I can't remember, they were profit like million million or something like that on their pro- uh, 10% cut and release of Bitcoin in their quarter one report that we all heard about yesterday. Now, yesterday in, in uh, yesterday's show, I had asked, what was the difference between Tesla doing this, and MicroStrategy not doing this to prove a liquidity event for their shareholders and their board of directors, so that they basically get people from stop you know stopping people from chewing on their ass. Well, I put out the word, and it looks like Acerus underscore BTC has responded. Um, he had a pretty good point and decided to. Uh, he actually messaged me, and then. um uh, went on to expand a little bit on what he thought was going on. Now, so who is Acerus? An IP corporate attorney, okay, and entrepreneur. So that's in his bio. I've never met the guy. I've never really talked to him before. So I'm taking him at his word. Okay, but we always remember it's don't trust verify. But I don't know. The guy's got a pretty, uh, pretty good point here. So let's get through this short thread of what his thoughts or her thoughts are on this particular liquidity demonstration event. We begin a short thread on Tesla selling 10% of their BTC. The sale, quote, in order to demonstrate liquidity, end quote, is a totally legitimate action on their part. It looks as if this move may have been premeditated by Elon Musk to defang shareholder derivative lawsuits mstr had the ability to announce their intention before buying and give their shareholders time to be bought out at a premium this worked for michael saylor since their initial announcement was unlikely to move btc much their shareholders were a much smaller group than tesla and at the time they were a lower profile company than tesla If Tesla were to pre-announce like MSTR did, the media hype would not only move the BTC price in advance of their purchase, but that alone could be seen by some investigators as a breach itself, since it would clearly move the price against Tesla. Of course, Tesla could have huddled, but given the negative attitude still present towards BTC, anything that could be done to weaken the case for a shareholder lawsuit would be worth it. By demonstrating that BTC has sufficient liquidity to freely trade like the United States dollar, they have weakened one of the biggest arguments that could be used against Tesla. It would not be surprising if this was part of their initial plan and was priced into their initial purchase. One could also consider that by taking this action, Tesla has done a great service to all future companies that put BTC on their balance sheets. And to end it off, I could be wrong. But were I to be in the position that I'm trying to minimize lawsuit routes on this score, this would be how I'd play it. And now it makes sense. So let's re-examine what MicroStrategy did when they first bought bought out, or when they first bought uh, Bitcoin. Okay. They offered their shareholders, each and every one of them, They offered to buy all of their MicroStrategy shares back at a premium if those shareholders did not like the direction Michael Saylor and the board of directors were taking the company. So everybody had forewarning that this was going to happen. They had ample time to review whatever it is they're going to review as a shareholder and they had an offer to be bought out if they didn't want to get into this they had the offer on the table to be bought out of their shares at a premium All Right. so there was nowhere to go there was no there was like like Acerus says or Acerus. it may be the way to pronounce his particular handle um like he said there was nowhere to go for a shareholder i mean if you they, well we're going to sue it's like why are we going to sue you have the option to be bought out at a premium. There's really nothing to sue over. You had your chance. You had your escape valve. You decided not to use it. (coughs) In the case of Tesla, no such action was provided. Like Acer says, um, if they had, then that meant that they would basically be telegraphing to the market that they were going to buy Bitcoin. Because they would have to do it. They would have had to do it before they actually made the purchase. However, you know, again, like Acer said, MicroStrategy was much low much more low-profile company. I didn't even hear about MicroStrategy until this particular purchase back in last, you know, last August, right? So he's right. They were low-profile. I had no idea who the hell Michael Saylor was, and I sure as shit didn't know anything about MicroStrategy or had even heard of the company's name. Knew about Tesla, though, and he's right. If they had done the same maneuver that Michael Saylor did, then they would have telegraphed to the market that they were intending to purchase a fairly large amount of of Bitcoin. It would have moved the price against them and shareholders would have been able to have a, they would have had a, a, a toe in the water on being able to sue the living shit out of Tesla, Elon Musk, board of directors, whatever, however that shit works, right? But they didn't get that chance because when they did buy, the price moved in the direction that they wanted it to move. They went ahead and sold, and they proved at that point that being able to sell on the open market was just as viable as being able to buy on the open market or on OTC or over-the-counter stuff. Now, um, there is a reply to this tweet thread from the BTC blot or Ben Tango, Tango, sorry, that says, how does this prove liquidity more than buying $100.5 billion in USD worth of Bitcoin? When buying, there's somebody selling, and he's absolutely correct. The fact that they were able to purchase that much all at once, whether OTC or on open market, and I don't think that they did it open market, um, does prove that there's liquidity on that side. But in this particular case, It looks like they wanted to prove both sides of the liquidity chain, and avoid lawsuits at all times, right? So, or by it's, it's basically by proving that this was a good deal, they pretty much cut the balls off of any potential lawsuit. And this is this is honestly this is the best explanation that I've heard so far as to why Tesla did what they did. I still think they should have held, however, if they did and they got sued, that's not in anybody's best interest. And it certainly wouldn't be in the interest of Bitcoin because the first thing that would have happened is that shockwaves would have gone around the news that holding Bitcoin on your balance sheet as a corporate is a liability and not an asset. That would not have played very well at all. And everybody would have hated Elon Musk because of it. Or at least all the bitcoiners would have and all the shit coiners too because it means that their potential entry into corporate balance sheets <coughs> for their particular shit coin of choice choice would also have been affected. because as bitcoin goes so do all the shit coins so there you go it's not the only explanation clearly there's probably some people out there that are that that are thinking along other lines as to why this happened but I I like this explanation and it kind of closes the books for me as to what the hell happened, so there you go. Now, getting on into the rest of the news, US officials arrest alleged operator of $336 million Bitcoin mixing service. Uh, this is out of CoinDesk, Nicholas Day's writing it. Roman Sterlingov is the name of the, the cat involved here. U.S. officials have arrested the alleged operator of a BTC mixing service on allegations of laundering nearly $336 million in Bitcoin over the past 10 years. According to public court documents, federal agents arrested Roman Sterlingov, a Russian and Swedish citizen, on three charges stemming from his alleged involvement with Bitcoin mixing services, uh, Bitcoin fog, unlicensed money transmission, money laundering, and money transmission without a license. While the US government hasn't gone after many Bitcoin mixing services before, prosecutors have called such services a crime in the past. Bitcoin fog allows its customers to transfer Bitcoin to each other while obfuscating where the coins are being sent from, according to an affidavit filed by IRS criminal investigation special agent Devon Beckett. The service was launched in 2011 and has allegedly been used to transfer some 1.2 million BTC. Uh, Customers apparently sent Bitcoin from Silk Road, Evolution, AlphaBay, Agora, and Silk Road 2.0. Bitcoin stolen from exchanges through hacks also went through Bitcoin Fog, the affidavit claimed. However, Bitcoin Fog is not a financial crimes enforcement network registered money services business and was not licensed to operate within Washington D.C. Federal agents use blockchain analysis to determine the 1.2 million BTC figure as well as some of the sources for the funds, the document said. Quote, While the identity of a Bitcoin address owner is generally anonymous, law enforcement can often identify the owner of a particular Bitcoin address by analyzing the blockchain, Beckett said in his affidavit. An IRS agent uh, conducted a transaction on Bitcoin Fog finding that it was a successful mixing service. A second transaction that the IRS agent claimed was from a narcotic sale was also sent through the service. Quote, analysis of Bitcoin transactions, financial records, internet service provider records, email records, and additional investigative information identifies Roman Sterlingov as the principal operator of Bitcoin Fog, Beckett said. Investigators who allegedly tied Sterlingov to the Bitcoin Fog domain used a payment made through Liberty Reserve the investigators also tied Sterling Gov to Mount Gox accounts, which the defendant apparently logged into from the same IP addresses that were used for the Lib- Liberty Reserve account. So the forensics here are actually pretty simple, when you think about it, and it, they don't seem simple when you're trying to figure out when you're trying to figure out ways around this stuff when you're first starting to do anything you're not thinking that way right yeah you say i'm just gonna get this domain service and then six months passes by and you go you know what that domain you know was gonna turn into a website you know there's this really cool stuff i'm gonna i'm gonna you know get pull this github uh repository down and start this mixing service and then you put that in there and six months later you're on mount gox and you're not tying all this stuff together in your mind it's really 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 difficult to do and damn near impossible in my opinion and but when you're unfolding it all at once like over you know the course of a week or a month as an investigator it's like shit this dude left clear tracks in the sand and that's why privacy is so criti- you know critically important and none of us are good at it we all suck at it <laughs> it's just that's just the way it is so anyway Be careful out there, people. Be careful. Oh, wow. Let's see. I'm not going to be able to do that one, am I? Uh, What was this one? Hold on. Oh, I'm not going to be able to read that one because it's a fucking Bloomberg article. God damn it. No, I'm not paying for a subscription to Bloomberg. This is where... uh, Let's just go. Let's talk about this for a second. Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, I don't know, maybe even Time Magazine, a lot of the mainstream media publications, as shitty as they are, sometimes they still you know hold some decent decent news. This one was going to be about uh, Turkey and the cryptocurrency exchange bust spurs move for regulation in Turkey, um, but I'm not going to be able to read it because there's a paywall. And here's the here's the thing: I can get a digital subscription to Bloomberg for $1.99 a month or I can have or I have a button option here for just paying a full $290 a year. Well, first of all, I'm not going to accept either one of those. That's that's freaking ridiculous because it doesn't even make any sense. Also, if they would just put in a, an LNURL code to read this one article, I would pay a buck to read this article to you. With and I'd whip out Blue Wallet or I'd whip out Strike, I'd pay the invoice, it would unlock. And yet, here we are after all this time with the ease and use of the tools that have come down the pipe for Bitcoin usage on stuff exactly like this. None of the major periodicals are able to, or somehow or another are either able to take part in this, or they're not smart enough to install it, or they don't have the manpower, which is probably the most likely to be able to do this. And and while they don't, they're losing money from people like me because I would definitely pay a buck to read this thing, but it's not going to happen. So Bloomberg, you missed out, dude. Uh, Nexon purchases $100 million worth of Bitcoin. This is the actual company release. Nexon is a gaming company out of Japan, I suppose. Let's get into this. Uh, Nexon uh, company, LTD, a global leader in virtual worlds, today announced the purchase of 1,717 Bitcoin for approximately $100 million or, one, or 11.1 billion yen at an average price of approximately $58,226 US per Bitcoin, inclusive of fees and expenses. This purchase represents less than 2% of Nexon's total cash and cash equivalents on hand. Our purchase of Bitcoin reflects a disciplined strategy for protecting shareholder value and for maintaining the purchasing power of our cash investments, said Owen Mahoney, president and CEO of Nexon. Quote, in the current economic environment, we believe Bitcoin offers long-term stability and liquidity while maintaining the value of our cash for future investments. Now, let's go back over that one. In the current economic environment, we believe Bitcoin offers long-term stability and liquidity. Remember how we started the show? That's an important situation for corporates moving forward. They need to know that they can detach themselves from any particular investment that they have on their balance sheet, convert it directly into whatever fiat that they want, and go on about their business. And Bitcoin has that liquidity. It's the most liquid asset probably on the face of the planet right now. Anyway, <clears throat> founded in 1994, Nexon Company, LTD, is a company engaged in the production, development, and operation of online games in virtual worlds. First listed on the Tokyo Stock Exchange in December of 2011, Nexon was placed on the JPX 400 in 2015 and added to the Nikkei stock index in 2017. In 2020, Nexon was added to the Nikkei 225. Uh, Nexon currently has more than 50 live games on multiple platforms, including mobile, and available in more than 190 countries. Major game franchises include MapleStory, Rider, and Dungeon & Fighter. Three games that I've never heard of, nor have I ever even heard of this company. However, here they are sitting on a corporate treasury that includes 1,717 Bitcoin. Good for you. Made a good choice there. Uh, now, getting into a little bit of shit coinery here, and this is because of I, I want to demonstrate the cannibalization that's going on in the shitcoin world. We have this one. Why there is now more Tether on Tron than there is on Ethereum, Matthew DeSalvo from Decrypt.co tells us about the cannibalism going on in shitcoin land. Tether, the most widely traded crypto asset in the market, yesterday hit the $50 billion mark in terms of market cap. It's an impressive milestone for the controversial stablecoin. Just in February, it stood at $30 billion. What's more, there's now more Tether being used on Tron's blockchain than on Ethereum. $1.6 billion worth more to be exact. Right now, the amount of Tether on Tron is $26 billion. On Ethereum, it is $24.4 billion, according to CoinMetrics data. So what does that say about the state of the crypto market? Tron is a decentralized, no it's not, platform designed for content creation. It's similar to Ethereum in the sense that it uses smart contracts, dApps, and digital wallets, but it's more entertainment-based. The vast majority of the activity on the Tron blockchain takes place on gaming and gambling applications, according to a February 2020 DApp Radar report. Tether is a stablecoin that is pegged one-to-one with a U.S. dollar, meaning that the coin's value is designed to hold steady. There is some controversy, however, over whether Tether is truly backed by US dollar reserves. No, come on guys, that's stop the fud. We're done with this shit. That was that is not a, an issue any longer as far as all the investigations in the United States has th- that basically put it to rest. So stop it. Come on, DeCrypt, get your shit together. The company has never had its reserves independently audited. Oh my God, this just gets worse. And it just recently settled a fraud investigation with the New York Attorney General's office, which saw it booted from the state. Nevertheless, on-chain data demonstrates that the coin is extremely popular, especially in Asia. According to crypto tracing firm Chain Analysis, it remains the most widely traded cryptocurrency by a considerable margin. Those in the cryptocurrency world use Tether because... Uh, For a number of, or, oh my God, those in the cryptocurrency world use Tether because for a number of reasons, that's the honest to God sentence, okay, because for a number of reasons, but it is mostly useful for exchanges. Tether trading pairs are a common way to denominate prices in fiat currency like dollars or yen as it is easier to get your head around. (coughs) Using Tether as a way of using fiat that flows out of a traditional bank account, especially if a crypto exchange does not deal with it, says British or American. Oh, oh, sorry. God, especially if a crypto exchange doesn't deal with, say, British or American bank accounts at the moment, huge amounts of USDT are being used on the Ethereum blockchain, though even more is being used on Tron, and this, according to experts who spoke with Decrypt, is because of inter-exchange transfers. Ethereum is, in some ways, a victim of its own success. The network is being used by so many people is chugging along slowly. In order to make transactions on Ethereum, one needs to pay gas fees, the variable cost of using the network, which goes to the decentralized group of people who help keep it running. And with so many people using Ethereum, the cost of making a transaction is high. So users are switching to the Tron network. Quote, Ethereum has been really expensive to use thanks to high gas fees and high Ether price. Jeremy Ong, who works in business operations at the crypto research firm Delphi Digital, says, the Tron network is very cheap to use in comparison. (laughs) Yeah, right now. Ong told Decrypt that moving Tether about from one exchange to another is very common, and doing that on Ethereum is costly, so users do it via Tron and pay a lot less. USDT on the Tron network is primarily being used for inter-exchange transfers. But why would there be such high demand to move Tether around? Quote, some assets, typically smaller ones and or derivative contracts, are exclusive to specific exchanges, Ong added. Also, there are arbitrage opportunities for derivative funding slash premium between exchanges. Ong told Decrypt that this would be temporary. Quote, I view Tron as a band-aid solution to provide relief for inter-exchange traders. As of now, we're still waiting for Ethereum scaling solutions to gain network effect and adoption among centralized exchanges. Quote by Scaling Solutions, Ong, of course, was referring to ETH2 because the first Ether had no intention of scaling. And that was a statement that was given. And this isn't the news, uh, the news article. This is me. Two of the co-founders of Ethereum, Vitalik Buterin and that other idiot, basically said on stage, and no, it's not a deep fake, that Ethereum 1 was never going to scale. They knew that it was never going to scale. And that's why they had to build a new Ethereum because ETH2 isn't an upgrade. It's brand new. It has nothing to do with ETH1. So if you're thinking that this is going to be all like, just easy to trans, you know, to just go from one to another, you're fooling yourself. (coughs) I don't know what's going to happen. They've been trying to go to proof of stake for so long for their scaling solution that it's just a running joke that it's always you know, six months or two weeks or something like that, and they just never are able to get it done. So we're gonna have to see. Anyway, until the, that change is fully functional, however, crypto traders will likely continue to put their billions elsewhere. So first of all, there's two things to take away from this. Tron is cannibalizing one of the main functions for Ethereum, and that is degenerate gambling on bullshit exchanges, trading each other, yielding, I don't know, squash tokens or whatever, so that they can go get other tokens to get gain yield off of pineapples, which in turn are used to buy sushi. Because I think that that's the way this circle jerk works. You know, if at one point you could get a car loan or a house loan from you know, be able to quote, unquote, finance that on DeFi, then maybe DeFi would have a purpose. But right now, dude, it's just a circle jerk. And I don't think it's ever going to stop. People keep, the, the, people keep talking about the use case of DeFi. I don't see it. Nobody's financing a house. Nobody's financing a business. Nobody's financing huge tracts of land, land to start ranches or whatever, or farms. Nobody's using DeFi to actually finance anything in the real world. Therefore, it's not really finance. You're just trading tokens. And you know what that is? That's being in a casino and using the little clay markers that they give you. I don't know, to go to slot machines and play roulette. To me, that's not, that's just bullshit. Anyway. Binance Crypto Exchange is going to launch its own NFT platform. So the cannibalization continues. So again, like if you're not gambling in the casino, you're buying pretty pictures that people promise you are one-of-a-kind pictures, even though I can screenshot them at the exact same resolution. Whatever, dude. (laughs) Launching in June, Binance's new NFT platform and marketplace will share the same account system as Binance.com. Helen Parts tells us more from Cointelegraph. Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, is entering the non-fungible token industry by introducing its own NFT platform and marketplace. The company announced Monday the upcoming launch of Binance NFT, a new NFT platform that is expected to start operating in June. Based on Binance's blockchain infrastructure, Binance NFT aims to provide minimum NFT transaction costs, Binance NFT head Helen Hai said. The new NFT marketplace and offerings will be available to all existing Binance users as Binance NFT will share the same account system as Binance.com. According to the announcement, Binance NFT will debut with two main venues including a trading market allowing everyday users to gamble, I mean create NFTs with Binance charging a 1% processing fee. A premium event category will target exclusive collaborations and curated collections with artists receiving 90% of the profits from NFT sales. Binance CEO said, quote, Binance serves millions of of users around the world, many of whom will now be able to access the booming NFT space in line with our commitment to the freedom of money globally and building an inclusive ecosystem. The Binance NFT marketplace will also support small value creators by providing the highest liquidity and cheapest fees for users. Okay, so, and then they go into a small description of what an NFT is and it's all bullshit. So the cannibalization continues. Those two stories I know were about shit coins that you don't want to hear about. You know, I mean, I, I get that. So why? Because what we're seeing is the cannibalization of the shit coin space right before our eyes. This is one of the reasons why I don't really worry about Bitcoin. Not really. I mean, I, I got, I, I got, if I'm going to worry about Bitcoin, it's it's because of other shit. It's not about shit coins <clears throat> because this was always going to happen. Ethereum is probably just going to get chewed up and spit out by, you know, like all these other things, which in turn will be chewed up and spit out, which in turn will be chewed up and spit out, which brings me back to one of my running theses or theories that I use when I'm trying to wrap my head around this entire space. If anything flippins Bitcoin, you can kiss all cryptocurrencies goodbye, and you will be left with central bank digital currencies. That's my running thesis. Anything. It doesn't matter what. Could be Tron. Could be Omni. I don't know. Could be fucking Feathercoin for all I give a shit. If any one of these flips BTC, it kills the entire space, including themselves, because nobody will know what's going to happen after. It's like because if like let's say Feathercoin or name, let's say Namecoin. Let's say Namecoin somehow or another flippins Bitcoin in market capitalization. Well, what's what's going to stop something from flipping namecoin? So where do you put your money then? I mean, you know that's what I hate that's the thing that I hate about 99.9% of this space is that it's it's only here to try to destroy what we what we've been being what we've been building. That's why I don't like Ethereum. I don't like Vitalik Buterin and I don't like the shit coiners because all they're in it for is to destroy the one shot that humanity has to be free. And you wonder why I'm a toxic maximalist? I don't like it when people are trying to go after freedom of humanity because we've been slaves for so long. We, I don't think the human, even the human spirit remembers what it was like to be free. And because of that, when somebody goes after the one shot humanity has to truly be free, I take it personally. Let's run the numbers. CNBC.com forward slash futures and commodities indicating to me without looking at it that bond yields have been pushed higher. Let's see if I'm right. Uh, Flammable liquids are all up by a good point, by a good substantial sum, by the way. Uh, West Texas intermediate is up 0. 0.7 of 0.7%, $63 and 38 cents for a barrel of that. Brent North Sea is coming in point or half a point higher, $66 and 78 cents. Natural gas is half a point higher, $2 and 89 cents for a thousand cubic feet of that. All of your shiny metal rocks are down substantially down. Gold is down by 0.7 of a percent, $1,766 for an ounce of that. Silver is down 1.82%. Platinum is down two and a half. Wow. Copper's down 0.3. While palladium is down 1.83. All the agricultural futures are down, except for rough rice, which is up just a scant. But they got hammered. Wheat is down 2.3%. Soybeans are down 1%. Corn is down almost 2 Sugar is down over 2 Coffee is down 1.1%. Uh, cotton is down 1.5%. And, and cocoa is down 0.8%. I'm I'm thinking that bond Treasury bond uh, yields got pushed up. Okay, let's see if I'm right. No, I'm not right. Oh, man, I blew it. Oh, well, 30-year futures are down a quarter of a percent. The 10-year futures are down 0.13, and the five-year futures are down 0.06%. Um yeah, that's kind of surprising. Usually it goes the other direction. Anyway, just so you know about your indices, the Dow futures are down 0.1, S&P futures are up 0.08, the Nasdaq futures are 0.09 to the downside, S&P mini completely sideways with an unchanged status, real money $54,738.23. <coughs> wow, 291 1,900 transactions committed in the last 24 hours, that's about 12,164 transactions every hour on the hour on average. With 1.22 million BTC being sent around the horn in the last two hours, that gives us 50,886 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with the average transaction value of 4.18 BTC And the median transaction value at 0.018 BTC or just under $1,000 at 971. Block times are back to normal. Nine minutes and 56 seconds. Um, Let's see here. 1.02 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 148.4 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Uh, We have had... 14.12% 14.12% increase in hash rate, and that brings us back to 164 exahashes per second. Dogecoin indicator is at 30 cents, 30.6 US pennies to be exact. So you can figure out what the rest of the sh- what the rest of the shit coins are doing after that. Uh, we have 35,000 transactions waiting on 83 blocks to clear. Market capitalization capitalization is still above one trillion at one point zero three trillion dollars. That is just shy of nine percent of gold's market cap. Thirty-one point one ounces of gold is what you'll get for flipping a single BTC, of which there are 18 million six hundred and ninety-three thousand four hundred and sixteen point eight four BTC in circulation at this time at a price of fifty-five thousand and ten dollars, according to Clark Moody Bitcoin. We have 1222.75 BTC in the lightning network that has a capacity value of $67.3 million US run across 10,758 nodes, holding 42,565 channels that we can see. Percentage of Tor capacity is back at 58.0%. And the Tor capacity is 709.26 BTC And that's being run over 5,011 TOR nodes that we can see. That's going to do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. El Salvador surf team rides the Bitcoin wave. Casey tells us more from Bitcoin mag. uh, Magazine, just make sure that I get that straight. The small Central American country of El Salvador can thank Bitcoin for pushing its national surf team to new levels. Quote, Bitcoin has also helped El Salvador fund their national team and map out a training facility. On March the 19th, 2021, the men's and women's Salvadoran surf team signed their first ever paid contracts. These contracts funded by the Bitcoin Beach Initiative make them the only national sports team funded solely by Bitcoin reports Stab Mag, which is a surfing publication. This major achievement for Bitcoin on a community level is the result of the Bitcoin Beach Initiative. Indeed, this is not the first time that El Salvador has made Bitcoin-related headlines. In a world where banking is often not accessible to remote locations and underprivileged communities, Bitcoin has become a shining light of an alternative. El Zonte, a beach community and village on the coast of the country, is known as Bitcoin Beach. The circular economy being built by surfers like Michael Peterson was the subject of a Bitcoin magazine piece back in January of 2020. The project started after an anonymous donor gave a large sum of Bitcoin to the village in hopes of igniting a separate local economy entirely built upon the digital asset. The anonymous donor agreed to give the money to the village under the condition that the currency never be cashed out. Through this demand, the Bitcoin Beach Initiative took form, writes Stab Mag, on the initial philanthropy which started the movement. Very quickly, Bitcoin became integrated into the daily life and economic activity of the citizens residing there. Catapulting past the traditional financial regulations and red tape, the village immediately sprung into monetary modernity on the back of the Bitcoin and Lightning networks. Now. There is real economic progress to behold as the once rugged village leverages the power of this immense technology. Quote Just how successful has the operation been? The once struggling era sorry area is now functioning well enough to host two events for the 2021 ISA Games at La Bocana and El Sanzal As the last round of Olympic qualifiers, the events will fill the five remaining spots for men and seven for women, states the StabMag article on the developments, as Bitcoin continues to grow both in price and community. It should be expected that more and more localized economies will entirely adopt the Bitcoin standard. Previous progressions in monetary technology only brought marginal change to the structure of disenfranchised populations. What good is the ever-increasing pace of Visa transactions to those without debit cards? But Bitcoin, operant on the most basic digital infrastructure available, brings forth a monetary revolution unmatched. It will be exciting to see communities like Bitcoin Beach continue to lead this revolution. Indeed, Casey, indeed. So, I like this last part here. Operant on the most basic digital infrastructure available is I, that shit should be on, on ball caps and, and bumper stickers. Because we, we, we don't talk, I don't think we don't talk, I, I don't think we talk about this enough. The fact that my node is sitting over here, like as the size of my wallet is bigger than my Bitcoin node. And that includes the one terabyte, or the, yeah, the one terabyte hard drive that it has on it. Raspberry Pi in a case with a very slim line Samsung, one terabyte hard drive. And my wallet is still larger than this thing. Yeah, I know I've got too much shit in my wallet, but that aside, <coughs> <coughs> this is why we don't want big blocks. This is why we need to work within the constraints of the system, right? And I've talked about permaculture a lot on this podcast. Permaculture is a design science. Generally speaking, it is used outdoors for farms and ranches and water capture and energy capture and being able to work with the landforms to be able to extract as much energy as you possibly can. And energy includes making sure that you keep water on your land. Water is energy. Wind is energy. Solar is energy. The grass and the ground, it's all energy, guys. So. The best thing about permaculture is, is that you would think that if you're going to design something, that you would want to start with a flat piece of land with no fences, no obstructions of any kind. Wrong. That's wrong. Because your design is going to suck. You Human beings need to have some kind of boundary layer, something to rub up against, so that we know where our place is when we're doing things like that's what, like when you're like, like if you're standing on one foot and you need to balance, that's why you put your hand on a wall because instantly your brain is getting more information about your surroundings and therefore you're much more able to balance on one leg than if not, unless you're a yogi master, in which case you can probably stand on one leg for three days straight while meditating. I don't know, but I am saying that the Bitcoin network is very much like a boundary layer, something that we can put our hand hand up against and immediately understand our place in the world. The minimal infrastructure that it takes to be able to run a Bitcoin node, how the lightning network works, how mining works, the fact that the the the, the chatter between these nodes is so minimal because we have to keep it that way due to the block size constraint. So some people will say, well, let's just make it 100 terabyte blocks. Well, that's just fucking stupid because that's like blowing out all of your boundaries and coming up with a straight up like clear field and the, what you design for that will be infinitely su- like, what, uh, what, what's a good word? Whatever, the, the antithesis of superior. It'll be bad. It's going to be bad shit because you're not able to be functional in that particular space. You're not being informed by the boundary by any boundary layers whatsoever. So therefore, your design is all over the place. And that's why one of the reasons why I think big blocks suck. The other reason big blocks suck is that it's easier to shut them down. Like a, you know, block information in Bitcoin can can like wiggle its way through the great firewall of China because it's just they're just tiny messages. The bigger the message the easier it is to trap you want bitcoin mobile you want it light armored you want it to be like mobile light armored infantry in the army those guys can do a lot of damage because they're not encumbered by a lot of armor their abilities of of attack and defense come from their ability to move take a few hits but it's their ability to move that makes the better sense I'm just saying, and that's one of the reasons why I don't like any any of the other shit chains because they literally don't understand design science. And I think the Bitcoin community, whether they know it intuitively or not, I know at least the developers, I know they get this. And they're working within constraints of the system to make the system better by adding stuff to it on the outside. So that it attaches to the main chain but doesn't require a change in the main chain. Now, somebody who does not get it is New Jersey, uh, a New Jersey county that sold its Bitcoin seized in a drug bust for 250% gains, brother. Tim Copeland has this one for decrypt.co. Uh, Monmouth County in New Jersey has liquidated Bitcoin seized over two years ago in a drug bust. <clears throat> In 2018, Monmouth County seized the Bitcoin after having determined that it had been attained through illegal drug sales, according to data provided to NBC. At the time, the value of the seized Bitcoin was around $57,000. In 2019, the county filed a forfeiture complaint after the suspect pleaded guilty and was sentenced on multiple drug charges, putting the Bitcoin in the hands of the county. I still don't understand why people do this. Dude, find the keys, brother. If you can find the keys and you know what to do with them then that's when you get the bitcoin but no you know they're just gone the keys are just gone jesus since then the price of bitcoin has shot up reaching highs above sixty thousand dollars in recent weeks as a result the county was able to sell its seized bitcoin for just shy of two hundred thousand dollars which is a profit of 250%. Monmouth County also holds some other seized cryptocurrency that was taken in 2017, following a bust of 16 people over financial fraud. Those coins were worth $200,000 at the time and are now worth a breezy 1.2 million. Th- this isn't the first time that Bitcoin has been seized and sold in the U.S. It's been happening since 2014, when the U.S. Marshals Service auctioned off Bitcoin seized from the Silk Road. One participant in that sale was venture capitalist Tim Draper, who bought 30,000 Bitcoin in the auction. He spent $19 million buying the Bitcoin. His haul is now worth more than $1.6 billion. More recently in March, the U.S. General Services Administration auctioned off 7.54 Bitcoin across two auctions, raising a total of $450,000. My God further afield last month the french authorities auctioned off a hall of seized bitcoin worth 34.5 million with one buyer inexplicably paying for their lot at a rate of 290,000 dollars per bitcoin yeah that is weird why on earth that doesn't make any sense at all i mean to buy, well buying at that price actually makes more sense than selling at these prices all they have to all these people have to do is hold on to it and Monmouth County could have been able to, I don't know, put up like, a, like an endowment for all their county services. If they just held on to it and figured out a, a way to use Bitcoin outside of just selling it straight up on the market, dude, Monmouth would have been set up. But because of the short-sightedness, they're basically going to have fun staying poor. Gemini's crypto MasterCard <clears throat> is set to be unwrapped this summer. This is Jeff Benson writing for Decrypt. If you trade at the Gemini cryptocurrency exchange, you'll soon have a way to get crypto into your account without placing a buy order. (coughs) Gemini has partnered with MasterCard on its Gemini credit card, which is due out this summer. The company promises up to 3% cash back, On just about every swipe, although hodlers spend in dollars, they'll get a portion of it back in Bitcoin or over 30 other shitcoins on the exchange, including shitcoin, shitcoin, and other shitcoin. Gemini says rewards will appear instantly in customers' accounts, not monthly. Gemini first announced its Bitcoin reward card in January after it bought crypto credit card market BlockRise which was working on a crypto-backed card without the annual fee. Anyone on the BlockRise waitlist was transferred to the Gemini waitlist. The exchange says that the list now numbers 140,000 people. Gemini CEO Noah Perlman shared with Decrypt that the company felt hotel points, airline miles, and cashback rewards were losing their cachet during the pandemic. The Gemini credit card offers people the opportunity to earn Bitcoin on purchases, which is one of the best-performing asset classes in recent years. Since the acquisition, Gemini has firmed up details about its crypto-backed rewards and selected the credit card network. Gemini CEO Tyler Winklevoss said of the choice, quote, MasterCard continues to evolve and meet both industry and consumer demand and commit to the crypto space, end quote. MasterCard's North American President, Linda Kirkpatrick, said in a press release, quote, consumer choice is at the center of micro or micro. MasterCard's strategy, giving people flexibility in how they pay and anticipating their evolving preferences. MasterCard has long lent its name to cryptocurrency payment firms with debit cards such as Wirex and BitPay. In such instances, dollars move through the payment network, not cryptocurrency. MasterCard's partners are responsible for converting any dollars into cryptocurrency. In February, however, the credit card company announced that it would start supporting digital assets directly in 2021 to minimize the inefficiencies caused by converting funds back and forth. That didn't mean Bitcoin would suddenly start pumping through MasterCard's veins. However, Bitcoin doesn't behave like a payment instrument, MasterCard Executive Vice Chair Ann Cairns stated that month. It's too volatile and it takes too long to transact. Instead, MasterCard had its eye on stablecoins for its network. Just use the Lightning Network. It's not like it's not big enough to handle it. Today's Gemini-MasterCard partnership is similar to MasterCard's traditional arrangements, though it could evolve. Gemini, after all, has its own stablecoin, GUSD, with a modest market cap of $128 million dollars. Regardless of whether Gemini and MasterCard take their relationship further, the exchange's users should be fairly pleased with the promised rewards of up to 3% back on restaurants, 2% back on groceries, and 1% for everything else. They can also earn interest on their cash back via the Gemini Earn program. My suggestion is to just use Fold app. Serious, that thing works like a charm, dude. Screw the Gemini twins. I'm so tired of their chicanery. It's not even funny. <coughs> Possible Bitcoin treasury adoption as more companies cite inflation concerns. Osato Avon-Nameo is writing this one for Cointelegraph.com. No fewer, get. I love this sentence, by the way, so get ready for it. No fewer than 47 companies have cited the term inflation in their earnings calls for the first quarter of 2021. 47 companies are talking about inflation in their earnings calls. 47. But there's no inflation, okay? The CPI is 2%. That's all you need to know, apparently. According to a report by financial market data provider FactSet on Monday, the figure represents the highest number of companies to do so in the last decade. Earlier in April, the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics released its producer price index, reporting or report showing a 4.2% year-on-year increase in the PPI, the highest since September of 2011. While Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell continues his thievery, oh, I'm sorry, I spelled to argue the current inflation wrong, and consumer price index numbers are only temporary, there is a counter-argument that businesses will move to transfer the burden of greater production cost to their customers. Meanwhile, Companies may also be seeking ways to protect their cash reserves from U.S. dollar debasement following the nearly $6 trillion in stimulus money poured into the U.S. economy over the course of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. You mean one year? Is that what you meant? Over the course of the last year? $6 trillion in 12 months, people. Back in August of 2020... Business Intelligent Outfit MicroStrategy made headlines when it announced its purchase. And then, of course, Monday, Tesla announced the sale of $272 million worth of Bitcoin, which netted them $100 million in net profit from that particular sale. With inflation expected to continue its upward trajectory, at least in the short term, more U.S. companies might convert some of their cash reserves to Bitcoin. This likelihood is despite arguments to the contrary made by Treasury experts back in February. In March, Don Fitzpatrick, chief investment officer of Soros Fund Management, said that BTC was no longer a fringe asset on account of U.S. dollar debasement. And Soros famously made all his money by shorting the great british pound way back in the day so there you go we got 47 companies that are bitching about inflation and doing it publicly i mean like that's their their q one's q1 q1 earning report is public forever and ever and ever and the highest number of companies ever are st- are stating that inflation is a major concern of theirs and honestly, I think a lot of them are going to start shifting a bunch of capital over to Bitcoin. So, US Bank launches crypto custody with NIDIG. <coughs> Sorry, still got this bad cough. This is out of blockworks.co. US Bank is rolling out a custody service for digital assets and will administer NIDIG's Bitcoin exchange traded fund this year pending regulatory approvals. The fifth largest bank in the United States by assets is moving forward with its plans in an effort to meet increasing demand by pension funds, insurance companies, and other institutional clients to invest in digital assets. Christine Waldron, a U.S. bank strategy chief, told BlockWorks on Tuesday. It follows the Bank of New York Mellon and State Street, both of which have made similar announcements in recent weeks. Quote, that's the best part of the story that you're really seeing the institution saying this is an asset class that is here to stay and we need to now make sure we're putting that appropriate rigor around it, Waldron said. U.S. Bank has been developing its blockchain initiative since 2015, she said. They include an RFP to expand its custody network to include cryptocurrency custodians, its ability to service digital asset funds like NYDIG, and its investments in security. Oh, God, what a horrible name. A financial technology firm focused on bringing crypto compliance tools to banks and financial institutions. Quote, we had the benefit of putting a lot of infrastructure in place early on to the help, or sorry, early on to help our clients. We saw this trend coming and we were in a really good position to help them meet the market needs and demand, Waldron said. Uh, U.S. Bank also said that it will administer Nidig's Bitcoin exchange-traded fund this year, pending regulatory approvals. Nidig, the digital asset subsidiary of Stone Ridge Asset Management, filed for a Bitcoin ETF back in February, joining Galaxy Digital, Fidelity, VanEck, Grayscale, and others vying for SEC approval for a Bitcoin ETF. Waldron said that's just the first U.S. Bank... or Sorry, Waldron said that's just the first U.S. Bank... To be named in God, this sentence is terrible. But that it's been working closely with a few other clients to file their S ones, uh, establishing a cryptocurrency ETF. Sorry, guys. Quote: This project is going to product is going to come to market at some point here. Despite U.S. banks work dating back seven years or several years, Walden said that the landscape began to shift in October when the United States. Office of the Comptroller of the Currency confirmed that banks can hold stablecoin reserves as a service to bank customers. Quote, you saw huge institutional investor money flow starting to come in, and then you really heard the rhetoric with all these third-party investment managers saying cryptocurrency is going to be one of these things we're going to maybe want to add into our portfolios. It may not be our primary investment objective. It may not even be something we want to hold long-term, but it's something we're going to end up having to hold, Waldron said. So there you go, man. U.S. Bank getting into the whole the whole thing. I guess that's good. I don't know. But that is going to do it for the uh, morning roundup. <laughs> Terrible joke corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. My wife dated a clown before she started going out with me. Pretty big shoes to fill. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, that aside, it is what, is... what is today? Is today Wednesday? I think today is Wednesday. Yep, today is Wednesday, in fact. So it's hump day. Um, y'all be careful out there. If you want to help me uh, uh, grow the show five-star reviews anywhere that you can share it, like it, subscribe to it, tell your friends about it, post it up on other social media. Um, and see if I can get this thing to, to start growing a little bit more. Um, I've had some pretty decent traction as of late, but I could always use more if I'm going to make this the one thing that I do. Uh, well, actually it will never be the one thing that I, the one thing that I do, but it would be nice to be able to have this be a revenue stream, and I can only do that with your help from the early, out of the early days. Be one of the early guys and help me out, man. Other than that, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.